My name is Justin, and you can, but you can call me Jay Swag, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with Swag. Appreciate you stopping by and giving a listen and hanging out with us here today for our very last episode of 2023. I know, <clears throat> pretty crazy. The end of another year. The end of, uh, that's it. It's just the end of another year. I don't know what I was going to say. Um, but this is our last episode. Um taking the week off between Christmas and New Year. Um, and then I'll be back at it in January. Um, but yeah, I had to get one more episode in before the end of the year. It's I was going to say it's quickly turning into one of my favorite episodes, but this is only the second time I've ever done it because it's a annual episode and I started doing it last year. But that being said, it is my... The Sports Talk with Swag 2023 WWE Awards. I guess I should call it the 2023 WWE Awards presented by Sports Talk with Swag. There you go. Um, So yeah, I did this last year. So if you haven't, I'm not going to say go listen to that episode because it's a year old. But if you didn't listen to that episode, basically how this works is like any other award show, um, you know, geared towards sports so like i mean i guess it's not technically an award show because the nba did it for a little bit but then they stopped and i guess the nfl still does it like the nfl honors or whatever but essentially at the end of every season for every sport they hand out awards and so i decided wwe should do that as well they have the slammies but they don't do that at the end of the year and no one really cares about the slammies because they're decided by the WWE who book everything. So it's all like within kayfabe, which like, I guess I understand, but also it doesn't really make sense. It would be like, I don't even know how to describe it because it's just such a unique situation, but you know, it's basically just decided by like the top brass within, you know, so it's like Triple H and Shawn Michaels and Nick Khan and Bruce Pritchard. It's like, why should they be deciding who gets the Slammy Award for Male Superstar of the Year when, like, they're the ones who booked it? And so they're probably, you know, they would use it to, like, tell a storyline or, like, be like, oh, yeah, of course it's Roman Reigns. Like, why wouldn't it be? He's our champion. And even though it's like no one actually thinks he's the Superstar of the Year, he showed up 12 times all year. So, um, anyways, yeah, so... I added a couple new categories this year. Um, I took away some from last year. And I separated some out and then kept some and then like molded some together. Um, so some of them are, are broken out by male and female. Um, just because I want to recognize more people, to be honest. Um And, but then the other things, I kind of just put them both together because it'll make sense once we get there. Um, But essentially all the awards we have to hand out today are male superstar of the year, female superstar of the year, tag team of the year, faction of the year. That's a new one. 
men's match of the year, women's match of the year, rookie of the year, and another new one, most improved superstar. So I tried to, again, I tried to keep it like kind of similar to like what you would see from like one of the big four sports. So like you have MVP, so that's male and female superstar of the year and kind of tag team of the year. Um, Didn't do like coach of the year because I guess I could have done like manager of the year. Um, but there's just not a whole lot. So basically would have been like Paul Heyman versus like, I don't know. Are there any other managers? I guess technically for like half of the year, you could have counted Maxine Dupree, but like, Pretty much all the factions, and there's like outside of Paul Heyman, there's not really any other. I mean, like MVP, but we didn't see him or Omos for basically the entire year after like WrestleMania. So yeah, so like that wouldn't make sense. Um, but then you have like Rookie of the Year, Most Improved. Um, can't really do Defensive Player of the Year, but so I, you know, obviously then added in Tag Team and Faction of the Year and stuff like that. Anyways, so you understand the concept, you get this. Um, so without further ado, let's just hop right into it and have some fun and do some, a little bit of reminiscing from the past year of WWE. So we will just start off. I didn't put these in any particular order and I'm not going to go in any particular order because I don't really want to weigh one of them over the other as more important or more valuable. Um, cause I think they're all pretty equally valuable to be honest, but so yeah, so we'll just start with male superstar of the year. Our nominees are Seth Rollins, Jay Uso, Gunther, L.A. Knight, Cody Rhodes, and Roman Reigns. Now, male and female superstar of the year. Um, what goes into consideration here for me? I I made all the nominations myself and chose all the winners myself. Um, What goes into being nominated for male and female superstar of the year is your in-ring work, right? Like your work rate, like how technically good are you in the ring once the bell has rung? Um, Your storytelling in the ring, your promo work, um, your ability to get the crowd to pop uh, or get heat, depending on if you're a babyface or a heel. Um, you know, did you have any championship reigns? Did you have any high-profile feuds? Did you have any main event matches? Um, yeah, so it's not just how entertaining were you. It's not just how technically savvy are you. It's kind of a combination of all of them within one. Because last year I did, like wrestler of the year and like entertainer of the year I think to kind of break it down and just like give it so like all right who's technically the best and then who was like the most entertaining and that was kind of fun but this year I just wanted to kind of mold it into one and just be like who was the male superstar of the year um so just going through the nominees real quick here we start off with Seth Rollins um you know arguably Triple H and co kind of put the company on his back for the latter half of the year. Um, 
you know, had a great Royal Rumble performance, didn't get the win, and then set up his program then for a match with Logan Paul at WrestleMania, which was a good match. Nothing spectacular, but it was a good match. Um, and then won the tournament to become world heavyweight champion um, in Saudi Arabia. I believe it was at Crown Jewel, but I could be wrong. It could have actually been Night of Champions. Yeah, it was Night of Champions. Um, beat AJ Styles in the uh, in the championship match for that tournament and has since held on to the world heavyweight championship. So he's closing in on, I think, like seven months. I think it was back in May that he won it. So obviously beat AJ Styles to win the title. Um, he's defended it against Jey Uso. He's defended it against Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I believe that's everyone. Like everyone in like the main programs that he's had. Um, some quality matches, some quality um, title defenses. You know, arguably the number one guy in the WWE um, for again majority of the year. I would say the first quarter of the year he was, um, you know, still building steam. Um, probably the biggest, the number one. I won't say the biggest, but the number one babyface. You know, kind of on the on the internal roster list uh for WWE been the number one guy on on Raw for quite a while. Um still gets a huge pop and the crowd loves to sing a song still. Um I will say the one thing that's kind of detracted that is a detraction I guess I'll say in my mind um cuz you got to go look at pros and cons for all these guys is it's starting to get a little repetitive for me, his whole shtick. It was really entertaining when he was a heel and it was still kind of in its infancy. Um, you know, the the lavish and outlandish outfits and the the laugh coming back and the work rate you know, started to show up and he was having a lot of matches and people were waiting for him to get his moment. And then, you know, he turns baby face. Everyone's singing the song. It's entertaining. But then again, it's just after a while, it's just like, okay, the people singing the song during people's promos, during the, uh, announce like the in in ring announcement of the match. And then throughout the match, it just, it, it, it's starting to detract, I think for me at least, um, and can be, it can lead me to be, uh, uh, to not look forward to Seth Rollins matches, especially on pay-per-views because it's just like, okay, like get ready to hear his song for like half of this match. Um, and then the other thing that's gotten a little frustrating for me with Seth Rollins, which again is not necessarily his fault, um, is they're kind of making him, especially throughout his feud with Shinsuke Nakamura, they just made him look kind of like Super Cena in that short of like literally killing the man, it's impossible to beat him. Like I thought it was really, really interesting how they went about the program between he and Shinsuke of Shinsuke being like, 
I know about your back and that being like the way they break the story of like Seth Rollins has a broken back and it's been broken for a while and like he desperately needs surgery and like Shinsuke is targeting it. He's being, you know, manipulative and he is very cunning with how he targets Seth's back. We get multiple program, multiple main event matches, including a last man standing match where for like 45 minutes, Shinsuke is just hitting Seth Rollins' broken back with steel chairs, kendo sticks, putting him through tables, consistently kicking him in the back, doing submission moves to hurt his broken back. And it's just like, yeah, like none of it's like, that's not enough to put him down. But then like you just put Shinsuke through a table and he's down for the 10 count. It was just kind of frustrating. Um, and it was just like, all right, like I get that maybe you don't think Shinsuke should beat Seth, but like, let's not go about it this way. Because it's just like you point out a huge, uh, uh, not flaw, but um, kryptonite, really. And Shinsuke exposes it in multiple matches. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't actually matter, though. Like, he has a broken back and he needs surgery. And, like, it hurts him to, like, pick up his, you know, 15-pound daughter. But a 45-minute street fight with Shinsuke Nakamura, not a problem. Can totally get back up. Can kick out at three counts. Can make it to the count of 10. Not a problem. So it was just, like, it was just a little annoying. And it made it kind of frustrating to get through that feud and now we're past it and he's feuding with drew which is fine and we've kind of just moved past the broken back thing and it's just like the the program with shinsuke is done and now seth doesn't really have a broken back anymore it's still broken it still hurts but like you know it doesn't really matter anymore so it's just kind of weird um and that's just kind of some inconsistency and frustration that uh i think is a con for Seth Rollins' year, but moving on to Jay Uso, uh, started off the year, still part of the bloodline. Um, and then fracture started immediately pretty much in January at the Royal Rumble after they turned on Sami Zayn, but Jay did not want to be a part of it. Get a couple weeks of, will he, won't he, um, to the, until he then heartbreakingly, uh, sides with Jimmy Uso in the bloodline and, uh, turns on Sami Zayn. We then get the undisputed tag team match WrestleMania main event night one. They drop the titles in um, a match of the year candidate. Spoiler alert um, to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and then they get a rematch. And then we move forward um, with the Bloodline still feuding with the both of them. Um, leading to the eventual uh, ousting, I guess, of the Usos from the bloodline, both of them deciding to leave. Then Jay gets a uh, the SummerSlam main event, World Heavyweight Champion. Well, I should say before that, he and Jimmy uh, beat Roman and Solo at Money in the Bank, in which Jay pins Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns is pinned for the first time in like three years, some odd years. Huge deal. And that main event then goes on to main event SummerSlam in a uh, tribal combat match against Roman. Um, 
for the title, which he loses when Jimmy returns to turn heel again on Jay. Um, and then he kind of, and then he quits. And then like two weeks later, he shows up on Raw thanks to Cody Rhodes. And then now he's kind of just been on the main event scene of Raw, you know, feuding with the likes of Drew McIntyre, the Judgment Day. And that's kind of it. Um, You know, was in the War Games match at Survivor Series and was pivotal part of it. Um, Had a little tag team run in there with Cody Rhodes where they beat the Judgment Day for the titles for like a week or something. Um, And then just a couple weeks ago, had a main event Raw match with Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. And is closing out the year a little bit treading water. Um, You know, kind of feuding with Drew McIntyre. It's just kind of like that main event picture of Raw is a little bloated of just like, it's just always going to be some sort of combination of Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, and The Judgment Day. So it's looking like leading into 2024, um, they will eventually set up Jay versus Jimmy for a WrestleMania match, which I think will be good. But we'll probably see Jay in the Royal Rumble. Um, but all that to say, you know, start off with the Usos and the Bloodline still at the top of the card and then kind of got out right when the story was starting to get stale um, and broke out as a singles superstar and has indeed been a part, a mainstay of the main event for Raw since debuting there um, back in the fall. So big year for Jey Uso. Um, Gunther is up next. You know, he's been the Intercontinental Champion the entire year. Had that standout match at WrestleMania 39 with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre for the IC title, which he retained. Um, Has had some quality title defenses against, again, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Jad Gable, um, more recently The Miz. Who else has he defended against? Um, trying to remember who else he's had programs with like who did he face at SummerSlam I will say it's been a little weird there was a couple of pay-per-views in a row there where Gunther just like wasn't on the card uh which was interesting but yeah he's just had a stellar year he's put in a lot of work um continues to be one of the best in the ring I think for me personally at least um I think he's steadily improved on the mic as well Imperium has been a pretty pretty big mainstay of both Raw and SmackDown. They started off the year on SmackDown, but then moved to Raw in the draft in the fall and seamlessly transitioned um, to the the brighter lights of Monday Night Raw. Um, Yeah, not a whole lot to say about Gunther, just, you know, a a steady workhorse intercontinental champion who's, you know, he broke Honky Tonk Man's all-time record. Um, I believe he's also relatively close to breaking the record for most cumulative days as IC champ. So nothing like, I mean, you know, he's the IC. I mean, I guess I should say 
for a while there on SmackDown, he kind of carried the show because he was the only real champion showing up because Roman wasn't showing up very often. So they were without a heavyweight champion. Um, but Gunther was kind of carrying it. Uh, so kudos to him. Uh, next on the list, LA Knight. I think everyone, no one's surprised to see his name on this list. Um, you know, started off the year at the Royal Rumble in a, uh, what was it, a pitch black match with, uh, the late great Bray Wyatt, which was kind of a dud of a match for most people. I kind of enjoyed it, to be honest, but it was a weird program. It was L.A. Knight still in his infancy as the transition from Max Dupree. Bray Wyatt and his new character still in its infancy as well. That ended up being his only match kind of in this new uh, in that new uh, character. So it still had a while to go. Um and unfortunately, we didn't get to see any real conclusion for Bray Wyatt's character. But L.A. Knight, we've gotten to see explode onto the scene. Um, by the time WrestleMania came around, people were, uh, <clears throat> you know, practically protesting the fact that he wasn't on the card at all. I believe, if I remember correctly, they had him come out and maybe do a a segment on the mic. He might not have though. I honestly can't remember, but um, by the time WrestleMania came around, like he was already hot and people were wanting him um, on the card, but then just steadily organically getting over with, with the crowd, with the WWE universe um, got better in the ring as well. Had a nice little program with the Miz. Um, Had a nice little tag match with John Cena. Um, or no, not a tag match. It was, well, yeah, he had a tag match on like SmackDown, I think, but he had the match with The Miz where Cena was the special guest referee. Um, and then he uh, had that program with Roman Reigns uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship at Crown Jewel most recently. Uh, which was unsuccessful, but he just probably the most over, if not the, then the top five most over people in the company, if not in the entire industry. Um, for a while there, had like four of the five best-selling t-shirts on WWEshop.com. So yeah, just like catapulted um, from irrelevancy to superstardom um cody rhodes obviously on on the list came back made his return at the royal rumble number 30 and went on to predictably win it and then faced roman reigns in the main event of wrestlemania night two surprisingly to some lost that match then had a couple month program with brock lesnar where he went two and one against him um culminating at SummerSlam in a pretty good match um and then basically from there went on to be in that same kind of boat with Jey Uso of just kind of feuding with anyone of the Judgment Day. Basically, that was all he did. Um, so got some pay-per-view matches with Dominic Mysterio. Um, 
title matches, tag my tag title matches against the Judgment Day, and then culminating in War Games. And now he too is kind of just floating around a little bit, waiting for the Royal Rumble to come around. Um, but consistently stayed as one of the top guys um, on Raw and consistently in the main event and um, very over with the crowd. And then finally, Roman Reigns. I honestly didn't want to put him on the list. I didn't want to nominate him. But I was like, it does feel weird to not include, you know, arguably the number one guy. But it's hard to even say that because he literally, I think, showed up like 23 times on our TVs in all of 2023. Um, And that's including pay-per-views. That's including SmackDown and Raw and all that stuff. So... There are, I think he only showed up for four or five pay-per-views this year. Um, some of those weren't even title defenses for him. Um, very sparingly showing up on SmackDown, but he still moves the needle. And anytime that music hits, the aura and the vibe changes and the energy changes. Um, and he still brings so much weight to every appearance he makes. And obviously part of that is because he rarely comes around. But part of that's also just because he's Roman Reigns and he's built this aura for himself. And I don't think if he showed up more often that it would be ruined. I'm not, you know, obviously there's a difference between showing up every single week on SmackDown and defending your title on every single pay-per-view. I'm not saying he has to do that, but showing up for five pay-per-views and like the two SmackDowns before them basically every couple months just isn't really going to cut it. Um, but yeah, so just kind of frustrating for for that. But I mean, he was involved in one in the best story coming into the new year of 2023 with Sami Zayn. And then heading into WrestleMania with Cody Rhodes. It was like we were all riding high. It was great. It was culminating. <clears throat> and then they made the controversial decision to have Roman retain and um, and then have Cody tread water till WrestleMania 40 um, while Roman kind of also just basically treaded water till WrestleMania 40. So, you know, broke the 1,000 days mark of being champion and has now gone like four years without being pinned in a singles match and has held the titles for, you know, three and a half years, whatever. But it is uh, starting to get a little old. So I think a lot of people are kind of just ready for WrestleMania to roll around so he can potentially lose the titles. But who knows? Maybe they'll have him beat Cody again. Um, But yeah, so all that being said, um, sorry, I probably took too long with that. I'll try to keep that in mind moving forward. Um, With that being said, the 2023 WWE Male Superstar of the Year prevented, presented by Sports Talk with Swag is... That's drumroll. It's Jay Uso. That's right. I picked Jay Uso. You weren't expecting that, were you? You're like, oh, it's probably going to be Seth Rollins because of the work rate. He's the world champion. Or maybe it'll be LA Knight because he got so over. Or maybe even Cody Rhodes because he's been the number one guy. No, it's Jay. And no one isn't even really... I, I was looking around... Um, to other publications and podcasts and Twitter accounts. 
I don't think a single one of them nominated Jey Uso for Superstar of the Year, and it kind of baffled me. I can understand why people may not pick him to win it, but to not even nominate him, I think, is just rude. Like, he is one of the most over guys, um, I think arguably more over than L.A. Knight, at times more over than Cody Rhodes, um, more over than Seth Rollins, more over than Roman Reigns, more than Gunther. Um The crowd absolutely loves him, and he's like, I think, been the number one babyface on Raw since coming back, and was like the best part of the the Bloodline story from the Royal Rumble all the way through WrestleMania, um, and then even through to SummerSlam with his tribal uh, combat match, and then they kind of spoiled it a little bit with like a weird booking decision with training Jay on Jimmy or Jimmy on Jay. And then, cause then it was just like, Oh, like I thought that we were going to have this match at WrestleMania, which it looks like we still are. So then it's just like, Oh, let's just have them tread water till then. Um, and just maybe kind of jump the shark on that a little bit. Um, but they've kind of saved it with him like quitting and then separating the two of them and then having him come back on raw. And he's just been sky high since then. And I think that he's had the most, the biggest mark he's left the biggest mark on the WWE this year. He's been a part of a lot of memorable moments and matches and storylines. Um, he's remained consistently over with the crowd, whether it was as a heel or a baby face. Um, so yeah, my superstar of the year for 2023 is Jey Uso. All right. So moving forward, I'll try to uh, <clears throat> speed this up a little bit. Don't want to keep you here for two hours. The female superstar of the year. The nominees are Becky Lynch, Rhea Ripley, Chelsea Green, Io Sky, and Bianca Belair. Um, so Becky Lynch, you know, is Becky Lynch. I think she's as long as she's healthy, she's pretty much always gonna be nominated for this award until she turns like 40 or something. And even then, I don't even know if that's gonna happen. Um she's been at the top for you know, basically the whole year. Um, <clears throat> you know, had a great program with Trish Stratus, um, has been involved with the damage control stuff a little bit at war games. Um, you know, just consistently at the top of the card and over with the fans, puts on really good matches. And then just, you know, for five months, just goes down to NXT and kills it and, you know, has some great matches with Tiffany Stratton and Lyra Valkyria and has the NXT women's championship for a couple months there. Um, and really kind of brings eyes to that program and, um, adds even more credibility to the title before giving it to Lyra Valkyria. So yeah, just had some really, really good matches, um, and stayed at the top of the card. Rhea Ripley, she's been the number one, <clears throat> on Raw for, for quite some time, you know, won the Royal Rumble. Uh, it, it was a great Royal Rumble match, and she was a big part of that. Gets the win, um, challenges Charlotte. We get the rematch from a couple years earlier, and uh, she gets the win and, and, you know, gets her revenge in a, a great match. Finally gets her win over Charlotte Flair um, and has held on to the Women's World Championship since then. Um, which I guess technically it was the 
SmackDown Women's Championship. But then she got drafted to Raw. And but then it was changed. I can't remember, but she's been that champion since WrestleMania. Um, despite how many, you know, brand changes or title name changes it's had. She's remained that champion. And she, um, as the, you know, unofficial leader of the Judgment Day, um, has been the number one, uh, uh, you know, group, number one thing within WWE, whether it was on SmackDown or Raw or in NXT for a while there, um, for pretty much the entire year. Um, they've done a great job. She's been killing it. Um, you know, putting on really good matches. They haven't, you know, they've, again, kind of the theme for 2023 in Triple H's booking decisions feels a little bit like treading water of, you know, you know, maybe doing a little bit too long-term of um, storytelling. <clears throat> of basically, we've been waiting for like six months for her to finally have the the WrestleMania main event match against Becky Lynch, which it, you know, most likely will end up being, although I don't know if it'll end up main eventing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just, she's had some great matches. Um, but some of the programs have felt a little flat just because it's like, she's been booked so well and she is so on top of her game that it's just like, no one else can really compare to her. Uh, which is, you know, a testament to her and is a good thing. Um, next up is Chelsea Green, which I think is another one that name that may surprise people, but I think she deserves it. I think it's she's not on here for her work rate and for her title matches that she's had because she hasn't had any world title matches, um, you know, didn't win the Royal Rumble or anything, but she's just put in the character work and she's put in the time and it's gotten over and it's really, really entertaining. It's not a, a comedy act, but it's also not, you know, on that level of seriousness of a Rhea Ripley. Um, so it's somewhere kind of in the middle there where it's just, you just find the really entertaining people. Um, and I think she's one of them. I think she's arguably the most entertaining female superstar on the roster and one of the most entertaining superstars uh, on the entire roster. So wanted to give her her flowers and her kudos um, and nominate her for female superstar of the year. Next up, EO Sky, who's had a real, real breakout year, Um, you know, part of damage control and damage control has honestly been like the worst part of her year, <laughs> which is weird. It's been her single stuff that has really helped her shine. You know, she had a great match at uh, backlash with against Bianca Belair in Puerto Rico, where she was the baby face and Bianca was a heel and she just like got over with the crowd and that momentum kind of carried over to her eventually then winning money in the bank. Um, and then cashing it in a few months later at SummerSlam successfully. Um, and she's been SmackDown, or sorry, WWE Women's Champion since then. Um, she's had title defenses where she's pinned, cleanly pinned Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair, as well as Asuka. Um, had a great performance in the Women's War Games match at Survivor Series last month. Um so she's been, yeah, she's been at the top of the card, a mainstay of SmackDown. Um, 
along with the rest of Damage Control, but she's been, I think, the best part of of that group and of that story. Um, and I think we'll continue into 2024 with the inevitable break from Bailey. Um, I don't know, maybe she'll end up facing Bailey for the title at WrestleMania, but who knows? But I think she's had a real breakout year and, uh, you know, has been great. Uh, and then finally, Bianca Belair. Another one where just, you know, it's just kind of like Becky, where she's just going to kind of always be on the list. She's one of the best uh, in ring uh, in the company. Uh, very entertaining. She's consistently good on the mic. Um, again, had that match with EO Sky at Backlash. Um, had a great two matches against Asuka at WrestleMania and then again at Night of Champions. Um, you know, spent a decent amount, you know, the first four or five months of the year as SmackDown Women's Champion, then dropped the title to Asuka and then continued to feud with her and then basically moved back to feuding with uh, Damage Control for the rest of the year, which has been a little frustrating, uh, to be honest. It's, she's basically been feuding with Damage Control since last SummerSlam. It's been like, you know, 18 months or something like that. Um so we'll see where they go with her in 2024. But I think she, you know, she had a good 2023. She had a little bit of time off there in the summer um, to kind of just, you know, give her some time off because she was such a workhorse and was, you know, at all the house shows, was on SmackDown, at all the pay-per-views. So a uh, very consistently good year, though, for Bianca. So those are the nominees. My pick in the winner for 2023 Female Superstar of the Year presented by Sports Talk with Swag is Rhea Ripley. Rhea, you know, like I said, just had too good of a year to not win this. Um, arguably, is just Superstar of the Year flat out for the entire company. Um, she's just consistently brought it every single night has been champion since WrestleMania, has put on great matches, has booked really well. She's good on the mic. Her stuff with the Judgment Day has been really good. Um, yeah, she just she looks unbeatable. She looks like an absolute megastar, which she is. Um, and I think it's going to continue through into 2024. So congratulations to Rhea. All right, up next, we have Tag Team of the Year. Um, so again, pretty much the same kind of stuff with the the singles superstars of the year, where it's just like it's not only your in-ring work and your matches, but the storytelling, your mic work. Um, did you have, you know, just even the little stuff, of like did you have like matching gear with your partner? Did you have good tag team moves? Did you have a tag team finisher? Um <clears throat> Were you consistently over? All that kind of stuff. So the nominees are Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. The Judgment Day, consisting of Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. Grayson Waller and Austin Theory. And Damage Control, consisting of Bailey and Io Sky. I really was close to putting the Creed Brothers on here, to be honest, but they've only been on Raw for about two months now. And I thought that wasn't quite enough to make it onto the list. Um, 
Also considered putting the Usos on here, but they were really only a tag team and like competing as a tag team for about four months, maybe five, I guess. It was Night of Champions when I think that was like their last tag match that they had. Um, so you could put them on here as well, but I just figured, I just felt like they've kind of really blossomed and f- the booking is focused on them as singles superstars. So, yeah. So Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn obviously, you know, had the big WrestleMania main event um, where they won the tag, tag titles, big baby face moment, um, and had a solid reign up until SummerSlam. Uh, where they then dropped the the titles to the Judgment Day, who have held them since then. I mean, they dropped them again for about a week or so um, to Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes. But, <coughs> excuse me, outside of that, they've been your undisputed tag champions for about seven months now. And again, just like we said with Rhea, um, has been a mainstay of the main event scene on Raw and SmackDown um, for the entire year. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan, this one may... F- you know, be hard to remember, but they were a solid tag team for the first, you know, five months of the, of the year. Um, and were tag champions and were featured pretty heavily on SmackDown for a while there. Um, and were consistently feuding for the titles. Um, but then obviously Liv Morgan eventually got injured. So we haven't really seen her since. And Raquel has been singles since then, but, Wanted to throw them on the list because it was like, let's not forget that they were a tag team and they actually put in the effort of having matching gear, doing some fun tag team moves. Um, so wanted to give them some recognition there. Grayson Waller and Austin Theory. Again, one of the more recently formed teams, but since they did it, it's really, really worked. Um, and I think they're one of the best tag teams right now in the WWE. They're very entertaining. They work really well together. It's just the two, they're just two cocky guys, you know, um, who think they're the best and they just, they pump each other up and have been featured pretty heavily, you know, with some matches against uh, Kevin Owens and had some tag matches against um, LWO, I believe, um, as well as the Brawling Brutes, I think as well. It's kind of hard to remember, but... They've been a tag team for a couple months now, and they've been really entertaining. Um, and I think that's probably going to continue through much of 2024. Um, and then we have Damage Control, Bailey, and EO Sky. Again, you know, had their singles runs and have been as, you know, obviously EO's been a singles champion since SummerSlam. But again, had some good tag matches and have been consistently featured at the top of the card. And the only reason I kind of put them on the list and, you know, wasn't saved for faction of the year is because Dakota Kai has been injured for majority of the year. And so they've been functioning mostly as a tag team, just the two of them. So yeah, they've just been heavily featured. Damage control is always going to be on the show, whether it was raw or SmackDown. Um, and had some good pay-per-view matches. So, yeah. That being said, the 2023 WWE Tag Team of the Year presented by Sports Talk with Swag is... The Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Who would have thought? It was the year of... Unli- not unlikely, but... 
it's been the year of singles superstars tagging together. Like if you look at the list I just said, not a single one of them is like an actual tag team, you know, like the Usos or the New Day or the Street Profits um, or LWO or, I mean, the Creed Brothers, <clears throat> again, would have made the list if we were, you know, six months into the year um, next year kind of thing. But, you know, it's just like Street Profits didn't do a whole lot this year. Like they were a part of that um, WrestleMania showcase match. But outside of that, didn't do a whole lot and then spent a lot of time being rebuilt and repackaged as a part of the team with Bobby Lashley. So I haven't actually done that much as a tag team this year. The New Day, Kofi and, and Xavier Woods have just been trading off injuries the entire year, so they haven't had a consistent year at all. Alpha Academy were good, but again, the focus kind of then shifted for a little while there to Chad Gable as a single star, and as a tag team, they didn't do a ton. Um, same with LWO is usually either three man stuff or it was Santos and Rey Mysterio. Um, but again, it was a lot of just kind of single stuff. So yeah, it was just the year of, of thrown together tag teams, which I'm usually not a fan of, and I'm still kind of not, but all those teams that I mentioned did a good job this year of, of getting themselves over and working, um, as a tag team. But I think the judgment day just kind of stood out as they did in every category, really, for the entire year. Um, they just have kind of dominated 2023. So another win for the Judgment Day. Um, next up, Faction of the Year. So this is just kind of whatever group, you know, all that they consist of. Again, with it being performance in the ring, on the mic, their promos, their programs, getting over with the crowd. Um, there's not going to be any real surprises here, but the nominees are the judgment day, the bloodline, Imperium, LWO and damage control. Now I considered putting alpha Academy on here, but Maxine wasn't really part of it for the first several months. And then Akira Tozawa kind of jumping in there at the end of the year. They've been a comedy act for most of the year and then kind of took it seriously for a little bit in the summer there with Chad Gable going for the IC title and then just kind of went back to comedy stuff for the most part. Um, but yeah, so like not much else can be said about the Judgment Day that I haven't said already, to be honest. So I'm not really going to waste any more of your time, but you know, the Judgment Day, they've been all... they're. Fingerprints have been all over Raw, SmackDown, NXT, the pay-per-views, social media, um, the title picture. You know, at one point it was Rhea as women's world champion, Dominic as North American champion, Finn Balor and Damian Priest as the undisputed tag team champions, and Damian Priest is still Mr. Money in the Bank as well. So it's just like Judgment Day all over the place. The Bloodline, um, obviously, is always going to be a mainstay as well. Um, you know, they've kind of been up and down. So I guess it would really just come down to like Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, and sometimes Jimmy Uso. <laughs> um, but again, anytime that, you know, every SmackDown, at least Solo and Jimmy and Paul 
are going to be featured. Roman isn't usually going to be there, but the rest of the bloodline is still heavily featured. Um, Imperium, same thing, but on Raw, you know, you're always going to see the three of them. Um, the tag team, you know, Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser have been very, very heavily featured in the tag team uh, picture. You know, had I think one title match, maybe two, um, throughout the year, but <clears throat> they've just been crucial with the storytelling of, of Gunther, but not overstaying their welcome. Um, which is also a little bit interesting because it's like, it does feel sometimes like it is just kind of Gunther on his own. And then you're like, Oh yeah, those guys are kind of like part of a group with him. Um, LWO, they were heavily featured for the first six months of the year. You may forget that, but they were over too. Um, obviously backlash being in Puerto Rico was a huge help to that. And then, you know, teaming with bad bunny, not teaming with him, but kind of being in his corner and getting Carlito back as well was big for them. Um, Santos was very heavily booked alongside Rey Mysterio. <coughs> and obviously now it's kind of just the Santos Escobar show. Um, you know, Zelina Vega, Selena Vega, excuse me, getting her, her women's world title match against Rhea at backlash as well. Um, it was kind of a glorified squash match though, to be honest. Um, but they were heavily featured for a while there and have been consistently booked as well. And then finally damage control. They've been around since SummerSlam last year. A lot of people, myself included, would argue they should have broken up by now, but we're getting there. Long-term storytelling, um, maybe by WrestleMania, but uh, uh, you know, on the women's side of things, they're basically the only faction that's been around. Um, but that being said, it's still been a strong, strongly featured faction. Um, so with that being said... The 2023 WWE Faction of the Year presented by Sports Talk Swag is the Judgment Day. I'm not even going to put a pause or try to drum roll. You know the answer. It's the Judgment Day. I've said it once. I've said it again. They just had their fingerprints all over the WWE this year. And they deserve all these awards because they all are performing at arguably the height of their powers right now. Maybe not Finn Balor, but Damian Priest absolutely is. Rhea Ripley absolutely is. Dominic Mysterio absolutely is. Um, you know, throw JD McDonough in there for some storytelling, throw our truth in there now for added features and now some comedy to them. Are you kidding me? So heavy, heavy features for the judgment day and well-deserved. All right, moving on now. We've got the last couple of categories here. We have men's match of the year. Got to, uh, run your memory a little bit here, but I mean, spoiler alert, a lot of them are from WrestleMania, but we have the men's WrestleMania showcase match. And let me tell you, I did not think I was going to be <laughs> talking about a WrestleMania showcase match, uh, at the end of the year, let alone at the end of the night from WrestleMania. But boy, did those competitors and superstars give it their all. We had the street profits, Versus the Viking Raiders versus Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus Alpha Academy. And they just, they showed up and showed out and had a fantastic match. The Street Profits ended up getting the win. It was like one of the most hot matches. Like the crowd was wild for it. And I think the crowd was not expecting it either. And they were expecting to just kind of get up, go to the bathroom, get some concessions. 
but ended up being like can't miss action and was incredibly entertaining. Um, it was a great show out for, for all four teams. They all came out looking much better for it. So kudos to them to nominee for match of the year. I guess I just kind of explained it without, I, I usually say the nominees first, but Oh, well, sorry. Next up, Gunther versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. Triple threat match for the IC title at WrestleMania 39. Kind of briefly mentioned this at the top when talking about Gunther, but it, it was incredible, you know? Um, the, the the storytelling was great. We had a good build for it, um, but the, the actual payoff and the action was spectacular. It was incredibly hard-hitting. Probably... If you're looking from a technical standpoint or just like hard hitting in the ring, you know, five star match perspective, this is probably the winner. I don't know if just like overall, if it'll be the winner or not, you know, no spoilies, but it was an incredible match. Nonetheless, Uh, highly, highly recommend you go watch. I mean, all of these, I highly recommend you go watch, but that one in particular, you don't necessarily need any context going into it. Like the context helps, but it's also not necessary. Uh, next up, we have the Usos versus Roman Reigns and Sola Sokoa for. No, it wasn't a tag title match. It was just the Usos versus Roman Reigns and Sola Sokoa at Money in the Bank. Uh, this was the match I mentioned at the top as well, where Jey Uso pinned Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns was pinned for the first time in over three years. This one was more about the storytelling in it than the actual action. The action was good, it wasn't great. Um, but it was a solid match, but the storytelling was fantastic. The, you know, the story of Roman being pinned for the first time was incredible. I don't think anyone saw it coming, myself included. Um, you know, huge win here for the Uso. It's a huge, huge boost for Jay Uso. I think that is really what kind of catapulted him into the main event scene and helped make the story more believable of him versus Roman Reigns for the title. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just, it was great. It made sense. The right winner came out. It was very entertaining, very emotional. Uh, next up, Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber in Montreal in February. Um, this one, again, it was just, you know, with a lot of times with Roman Reigns is not necessarily going to be the action and the technicality of it, but it's going to be the storytelling and the emotion behind it. And this one, I don't think, you could get any more emotional than Sami Zayn in his hometown of Montreal facing the leader of the bloodline who he had been loyal to for, you know, almost a year at this point and was unceremoniously dumped from them. Um, but it was an incredible match. So much, so much emotion behind it from the crowd and from Sammy. Um, heartbreaking loss for him. Roman retaining, obviously, but another great, great match. Next up, the aforementioned Usos defending their undisputed tag titles against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in the main event of WrestleMania Night 1 with Sami and Kevin coming out on top. Again, basically, the the the, the pivotal finish of that kind of storyline, really, the climax of it, I think, um, of Sami Zayn versus the Bloodline. You know, even just getting to that point of Sami... Uh, teaming with Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens finally deciding to join forces with Sammy was great how we got there. And then, um, 
you know, from there, just the build and then the eventual match itself was great. Um, and then finally, kind of coming back to the technical side of things, we have Gunther versus Chad Gable um, uh, from Monday Night Raw over the summer. I can't remember exactly when it was, but late summer, early fall. Chad had made his way to the mid-card title picture, and he had the 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 match against, I think it was Kaiser on Raw, where he beat him in a certain amount of time, so then he got to face Gunther, but it wasn't for the title, and he beat him by countout, which is like the first time Gunther had been beaten in over a year, but not pinned. So then that basically wound up in him getting a title match when it was either Chad wins the title and beats Gunther or Gunther retains and ends up breaking Honky Tonk Man's record, which is obviously ended up what, what ended up happening. But an incredible match again. Highly, re- highly recommend you go watch it. Um, they gave him plenty of time. Sometimes they will do these things on on you know on free TV. Just give it out on on a Raw or a SmackDown, um, and this was one of those. So very very entertaining. Um, all these matches. So again, the nominees: the men's WrestleMania Showcase match, Gunther versus Drew versus Sheamus at WrestleMania 39, the Usos versus Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa at Money in the Bank, Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber. The Usos versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania 39, and Gunther versus Chad Gable on Monday Night Raw. And your winner for 2023 WWE Men's Match of the Year, presented by Sports Talk with Swag, is. It's Gunther versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 39. If you remember correctly, the winner from last year, from 2022, was Gunther versus Sheamus from Clash at the Castle. So that's two years in a row that Gunther has won my match of the year. And we may be starting to see a pattern form here. Um, the guy just knows how to put on a great, hard-hitting match. And that's exactly what this is. was. It was basically Gunther versus Sheamus from Clash at the Castle, but add Drew McIntyre into it and put it on WrestleMania. It was... Incredibly hard-hitting, um, great storytelling, really didn't know who was going to win. I, I I correctly predicted that Gunther would retain, but that was just because I, I figured they were going to have him break Honky Tonk Man's record. So, you know, but there were still a lot of false finishes that got me, and I really thought, you know, Sheamus or, or Drew McIntyre might pull it out. Um, but nonetheless, a great match. Um Highly recommend, high recommend you go check it out. All right, so following that up, we now have the women's match of the year, starting with Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus from Payback. Um, this was the steel cage match that Becky won to finally get her revenge and the the end-all, be-all victory over Trish Stratus, uh, which was also actually the last time we ended up seeing her. Um, and when we also got Zoe Stark turning on Trish Stratus and turning quasi babyface. Um it was a big payoff to that storyline. You know, we had Becky versus Trish and Zoe for several months there. We had the match at um was it Night of Champions, I think it must have been. It was a Saudi show. Um they put on a good match, but Trish ended up getting the win. Um 
they had a, a couple matches on Raw. You know, obviously her and and Becky and uh, Zoe had a lot of different matches as well. Um, and then finally culminated in the in the cage match, which Becky won, and it was a great match. It was really entertaining. Um, kudos to both women, especially Trish, at the age that she's at, to still be able to put on a match of the night and potential match of the year candidate. Um, it was great storytelling, uh, good in ring you know, action. So it's just everything you would want out of a match. Uh, next up was Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley from WrestleMania 39. Again, kind of talked about this already with Rhea, but could have probably, if the Usos and Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens wasn't like the number one storyline in wrestling at the time, I think this match would have and should have main evented night one of WrestleMania And I think they wanted to as well, but I think they knew that like the fans would revolt against the Usos and Sammy and Kevin not main eventing. It was one of those situations where it's just like you had three matches uh, that could have and should have main evented. And shockingly, uh, the women's match was bumped off of the main event. Um, But... That being said, they put on a great match. It really kicked into like eighth gear, like for the last like 10 or so minutes of it. Um, and it was just the culmination and the crowning of Rhea as the number one uh, women on the roster um, for the rest of the year. And, you know, obviously resulted in me giving her female superstar of the year. So this is kind of the match that really kicked that off. Uh, Bianca Belair versus Io Sky from Backlash. Again, I already mentioned this match. Um, but it was it was really entertaining, but it was the crowd, honestly, that really helped it. Uh, the Backlash Puerto Rico crowd was wild, and they were really, really in Io Sky's corner, which I think helped make this match so much better. I think if they had put it in the States, it would have still been entertaining, but not nearly as vocal and and you know, hot, um, from a crowd perspective. So, you know, kudos to the backlash crowd for, for really helping that match. But that just kind of goes to show that like all these matches that these people put on, whether it gets nominated for match of the year or not, are usually very entertaining, especially when it comes to the pay-per-view matches, but it just depends on the crowd that you have. Like so much so that like, I almost put bad bunny versus Damien priest on this list for men's match of the year. And it's like, that was not men's match of the year, but the crowd made me feel like it was cause it was, they made it so entertaining and they were just so behind both of those guys. Um, so the same goes for this match as well. Um, they just made every match feel super special. Um, and this one was no exception. And then finally the women's war games match from survivor series. Um, Definitely, I think, the best women's war games match of all time. And I would say, like, a top three war games match of WWE since they kind of brought the... It not I'm not going to count any WCW ones because I haven't watched any of those, but of all the war games matches that have happened under the WWE banner, I think this is the top three. Um, it was just incredibly entertaining. You had some really fun high spots. You know, EO going off the top of the cage in the trash can again. Charlotte moonsaulting off the top of the cage. Um, you know, Becky putting Bailey through the table to win. Um, some really great spots, really good storytelling. Um, 
potentially the you know beginning of the end for damage control. We shall see. But um, yeah, so that was another another great match. That again, all of those deserve a rewatch. But that being said, the 2023 WWE Women's Match of the Year presented by Sports Talk with Swag is Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley for the WWE Women's World, or sorry, the Women's World Championship. Although at the time, again, I believe it was the SmackDown Women's Championship from WrestleMania night. WrestleMania 39 night one. I am forgetting how to talk. I apologize. Um... But yeah, incredible match. Shocking. Another Judgment Day member is winning an award, but it was just a great match. So sorry, not sorry. Next up here, we have Rookie of the Year. And the way that I consider Rookie of the Year is you had your first either WWE Raw or SmackDown match of your career in the year, in the calendar year. So in 2023, these people had their first match on the main roster. Um, so it's not going to be anyone in NXT. Um, and it's not necessarily that these people, this was their first year wrestling um, or even with the company, but it's just their first match on the main roster. So that being said, the candidates for Rookie of the Year are Dragon Lee, Grayson Waller, Cameron Grimes, J.D. McDonough, and Zoe Stark. It was just a little frustrating because on the on the women's side, it was I think Zoe Stark was literally the only person um, who qualified because we had Alba Fire and Isla Dawn drafted to SmackDown as the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. They have one match where they lose the titles in the unification. Um, and then we don't see them again. Um, either I think either one or both of them has been injured for for most of the year, so that's why we haven't really seen them. Um, and then I'm trying to think if there's any. Zia Lee doesn't. She was drafted back from NXT, but she had been on the main roster previously, so she doesn't qualify. Um, Nia Jax was, you know always on the main roster and she returned to the company was in her rookie year. Dakota Kai was last year. EO Sky was last year. Piper Niven already on the main roster. Chelsea Green already on the main roster. So Zoe was like literally, I think the only qualified female, um, which was kind of frustrating, but not a huge year for rookies altogether. Um, I kind of had to, if you couldn't tell, scrap this list together a little bit. Like I wouldn't, on like a normal year, I wouldn't have really put JD McDonough or Cameron Grimes on this list because Cameron Grimes took forever to actually show up on the on the main roster. I think he was technically drafted last year to the main roster, but didn't show up for months. Finally had a match where he like beat Baron Corbin in like five seconds or whatever. And then has like another match with him and then just like disappeared for the rest of the year. And we've seen him like twice since then. So kind of unfortunate, um, especially after being such a mainstay of NXT, but them's the breaks. And then JD McDonough as well. Like he was kind of confusingly booked for a little bit there of just like, Oh, like he's part of, um, judgment day, but he's not, 
but they want him in, but they don't. But Finn Balor wants him in, and he's friends with him, but they hate him. But they always accept his help, but they still don't want him. And then they finally bring him in, and so I don't know. It's it's been interesting. He he he's had some fine matches, but he's just like he hasn't been spotlighted like he probably should be, because um, I think he just whenever he's shined or done well has been as a a single superstar but i just i also don't think that his body of work was ever going to work overly well on the main roster it was more of an nxt kind of thing or just like a, a uk kind of thing so i think putting him in the judgment day was the right call and he's been in the judgment day for like six seven months now so you know it makes sense but just nothing crazy so then it really leaves us with Dragon Lee, Grayson Waller, and Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark obviously drafted immediately, then teams with Trish Stratus and has been was in that program with Becky Lynch for a while. So like just like immediately, you know, w- being paired with Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus is a sign of high praise and high hopes from the higher ups. And she shined. You know, she she didn't fold under the pressure. She put on some really good matches. Um not great on the mic, so definitely could still use some more improvement there. But, um, you know, that being said, solid rookie year for her. Uh, Dragon Lee, you know, NXT for most of the year, but then in the summer getting called up and doing some tag matches with Cameron Grimes, doing some stuff with Theory and Grayson Waller, and then now kind of unofficially in LWO and... Um, has put in some really great matches against Santos Escobar and against Theory um, and against Cedric Alexander. Really recommend you go watch those matches from SmackDown. Those were really good. Um, but, you know, you know, not a rookie in the sense that, like, he's new to wrestling. He's been around for a while and was one of the hottest free agents. Um, but just, like, kind of had an immediate impact when he went to the main roster um, and has been touted as the future of Lucha Libre. So can't argue with that. And then finally, Grayson Waller, who came up in the draft, kind of didn't do much for a little while there. Um, Didn't have his first match until the summer um, in July, I think it was. And I think I was there for it um, live in New York City. Um, I can't remember if that was his first match or second match, but one of his first matches in the summer because he was dealing with a leg injury, but having the Grayson Waller effect almost weekly on SmackDown, to be honest, and uh, has been pretty heavily featured, um, you know, has had run-ins with um, John Cena and Edge and now a tag team with Theory. Uh, Excuse me, goodness gracious. Um, Also had some stuff with AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, Santos Escobar, um, Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. So he's kind of worked with everyone. Um, pretty consistent in like you know really what he is is a new, slightly more skilled Australian Miz. Um, and I think he's done a great job. I think he's had an outstanding rookie year, made an immediate impact. Um, consistently featured on SmackDown. Um, and now you know in this tag team with Theory. Um, you know, solid, solid rookie year. So that being said, the 2023 WWE rookie of the year presented by sports soccer swag is Grayson Waller. 
I can't help but say his name in an Australian accent majority of the time, especially when I'm watching uh, on the TV. That may have been a terrible Australian accent, so I apologize if that was offensive to anyone or cringe for anyone, but it's just fun to say. Grice and wah. Um, anyways, the Aussie icon, he, yeah, he's, he's just, he's had a standout rookie year. You would think if you turned on SmackDown this Friday and you saw him on your screen, you wouldn't think that like this was his first year on the main roster. You'd be like, oh, this guy's been on SmackDown for like five years, right? Nope. It's his first year. Um, just immediate impact, immediately thrown in with several big name superstars. And, you know, as Edge said, in Madison Square Garden in July when I was there. It's time to sink or swim, and you swam. So, you know, kudos to him. Was thrown in under the bright lights and has succeeded thus far um, with everything they've thrown at him. So kudos to Grayson Waller, Rookie of the Year. And finally, the last category of the year, a new one to the show. It's Most Improved Superstar. Now, you could also consider this breakout superstar of the year. Um, I just named it most improved to kind of fall in line with like the NBA's most improved player kind of thing. So most improved breakout superstar of the year, whatever you want to call it. That's what this is. There's only three nominees because I didn't want to go crazy with this one, but it's really only three people that it should come down to. And that is LA Knight, Dominic Mysterio, and EO Sky. Now I kind of already talked about LA Knight and EO Sky. Um, you know, so I won't really talk about them anymore because they were both up for their singles superstars of the year. So if you're doing that um, after having not done much the year before, you're going to be a breakout superstar. And they both massively improved both technically speaking on the mic speaking, but also just improved in where they were on the card. Um, and the same goes for Dominic Mysterio, who um, was the Iron Man of the WWE this year. He had the most matches of anyone all year. Um, heavily featured in Judgment Day, like everyone else that I've mentioned with Judgment Day, and um, the, the gets the most heat consistently every week when he's on the mic, whether it's piped in or not. You know, say what you will, but he still gets a ton of, ton of heat. Um, and he's vastly improved both in the ring and on the mic. Um, so definitely worthy of getting nominated here. So that being said, the 2023 WWE most improved superstar slash breakout superstar of the year presented by sports talk with swag is <sighs> it's Dominic Mysterio. What? Huh? Come again? Como se dice? Yeah. Dominic Mysterio. Most improved superstar of the year. I did not think in January that Dominic Mysterio was going to be near any award except for maybe worst of the year. Uh, I was very, very, very low on him coming into 2023. I thought, send the guy back to NXT. Send him to level up for that matter. The guy needs to improve. They threw him in too quick. He's too green. He gets very flustered on the mic, doesn't know what to do. Uh, his in-ring is very, very basic and can't keep up with a lot of people. 
But they threw him in with the Judgment Day. They paired him with Rhea Ripley. They gave him a character that was so detestable that it got him a lot of heat. They put him in a great program with his dad, culminating at a WrestleMania match, um, which was very entertaining. Um, and since then went on to be North American champion for several, several months. Um, had some great tag matches along with Judgment Day. Had a singles pay-per-view match against Cody Rhodes, which was really good. Had a singles match against Dragon Lee. Several singles matches against Dragon Lee, which were very, very good. Um, so... Kudos to Dominic, just worlds better than he was in 2022. And, um, you know, I don't not look forward to any time he's going to be on my screen now. I think I don't look forward to him being on my screen, but I don't change the channel when he shows up anymore. And I, I do enjoy a lot of the segments he's in. I think they've figured out how to book him well for where he's at and given him a character that he can work with and really sink his teeth into and I think he's excelled at just nailing that character and his role and really really improved in the ring so kudos to Dominic Mysterio your most improved superstar of the year and that's it that's all the awards that I have to hand out I didn't want to have too many awards I didn't want this to be a bloated award show and just be giving awards out to anyone but I wanted to have enough to make sure the right people were included. But really, the, the, the summary of this award show and of WWE in 2023 is that it was the year of the Judgment Day. They were booked really well, and they all lived up to those bookings and exceeded expectations, really thrived in their roles. Again, at one point, it was Rhea as women's world champion, Dominic as... North American champion for NXT, Finn and Damian as the undisputed tag team champions, and Damian also as Mr. Money in the Bank. Um, they still all hold those titles except for Dominic Mysterio. So, yeah, they've held all the gold for a majority of the year. Um, they've been very entertaining. They put on great matches. They've had great programs. Um, and they're they're here to stay. Um, and yeah, kudos to them. But so again, just a quick wrap up, quick summary, male superstar of the year, Jay Uso, female superstar of the year, Rhea Ripley, tag team of the year, judgment day, faction of the year, judgment day, men's match of the year, Gunther versus Drew versus Sheamus at WrestleMania 39, women's match of the year, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley from WrestleMania 39, rookie of the year, Grayson Waller. And most improved superstar, Dominic Mysterio. Um, yeah. So those are all the awards. A great year of tw- a great year of wrestling from the WWE. I've really enjoyed Triple H having full, unadulterated control of creative. I look forward to 2024. Um, thank you guys for not only listening to this, this episode, but all the episodes from 2023. It's been another great year for sports talk with swag. Um, I really appreciate your support for the show, for listening, for tuning in, for downloading the episodes, for rating them, for following on social media. Um, it means the world to me. I love getting to talk about sports and that there's even one person out there who enjoys listening to it and maybe, learn something new or just it brightens their day. That's the reason I do this. Um, so hope to continue to do that for y'all in 2024 and that you guys keep listening. 
Um, yeah, so I hope you all have a happy holiday season. Um, I hope you have a good new year. I will see you in 2024. And uh, with all that being said, I will see you guys in the next one. Peace. Sports Talk with Swerve.